Amen. So, Genesis chapter 23. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We will be reading the entire chapter, 20 verses. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kirkarith Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up and from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered, Abraham, hear us, my lord. You are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choices of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from buying, burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land, and he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron, the son of Zohor, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, of all who went into the gate of the city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. He said, Ephraim, in the hearing of the people of the land, but if you will hear me, I give the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Ephraim answered Abraham, My lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weights current among the merchants. So the field of Ephron and Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went into the gate of the city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field of, and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. Read the word. You may be seated. I would call your attention right away several times. The, uh, that is Hebron is put in parentheses. It's important for you to know that that is Hebron, so keep keep. Keep that in mind. There's a lot of, a lot of some of those names in there that are a little hard to pronounce, but the important part is that that is Hebron, and that is what the uh, Moses is telling us here, here in Genesis, as he's inspired by God to do so. So I, I would call your attention to that. But as we look at Sarah, you know, most of us we 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 talk about Abraham, the great man of faith he was, and amen to that, he was a great man of faith. But how many of us talk about Sarah? We don't talk about Sarah all that often. And we, we have these, these great chapters that are line, lined up together. And this one truly is bittersweet. We have the chapter where, where, where Sarah is laughing at the promise of God. And that's where we get the name Isaac. It means to, to laugh. It's laughter. And then in the very next chapter, what do we see happen? The promise fulfilled. Isaac is born. Sarah's shame is gone that the promise that was given to Abraham... That, that he would have a son is fulfilled, and that it was fulfilled in God's timing and not in man's timing. And then, then we have the great chapter 
last week that is so foundational to our faith that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. Well, we talked about it last week. Who, who here would be willing to sacrifice their child? You know, we, we, we aren't told how much Sarah is in on this. I doubt very little because she may have protested quite a bit. That at 90 years old, she, she gives birth to a son and then Abraham is, is following his faith and he tries to sacrifice that son. There, there, there may have been some need for marriage counseling in that session right there. But what we have here is that after, after that, we come to this chapter. I want us to understand that we're told here that Isaac is 37 years old. So, so we know the distance of time that has taken place from chapter 22 to 23. That's a good chunk of time. But what we have here is, is the death of Sarah. Now, I would call her Abraham's princess. She is the one that has been through everything with, with him. When I want you to think about how long you've been married if you're married. You know, I'm approaching 17 years this year. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good amount of time, but it's, that's, that would pale in comparison with, I know some, some in here in this room. You guys at 50? 60. 60. That is impressive. Amen. Praise God to that. You know how long Abraham and Sarah were married? At this time, well over 100 years. Now think about when you were first married, and then 10 years down the line, and 20 years down the line, 60 years down the line, you're much closer than when you first got married. Imagine where you'd be at 100 years, how close you two would be. Then imagine losing that person. How devastating Abraham would have been. She truly was his soulmate. Imagine the epic journey that, that was Abraham's life when he's called out of Ur, who is there with him. It's Sarah. Everything that Abraham has gone, gone through, the journey to Canaan, who is there? It's Sarah. Down to Egypt and back again, it's Sarah. Sarah is the one that has been by his side all the days of his life from the very first time God appeared. You know, the, the times when he's battling against the kings and encounters the, the high priest Melchizedek, Sarah is by his side. We see over and over again when, when he pleads for Lot and Saddam and Gomorrah, Abraham has Sarah at his side. Over and over again. We see the, the battles with Hagar. She's even willing to, to allow Abraham to, to go into another woman to, to, to try to fulfill the promise of God. As wrong, as wrong of a deed that was, Sarah was there. Sarah was always there for Abraham. And now she's no more. I want us to think about the the crushing reality that Abraham must have been going through. God has given him this promise that through all nations, he, he, um, all na through him all nations will be blessed, which is absolutely true. And that is the promise of the Messiah, that through Abraham's descendants, the Messiah would be born. We talked about last week that, that Jesus himself said, Abraham saw it and was glad. He saw it on Mount Moriah that we spoke of last week. But this week we see Sarah has died and Abraham must bury Sarah now. And the reason you, you see that, that, that um, it highlighted here over and over again that Hebron, you know, you know where the exact center of all the promised land that was promised to Abraham is? Hebron. So you have a man who has been promised by God that all the land from the north to the south to the west to the east shall be his. And that his descendants will be so numerous 
that they'll be more than the, the sands on the seashore. They'll be more than the stars that are in heaven. Who on earth could possibly try to even fathom that number? But here Abraham is with one son. And now his wife is dead. How will he have more sons? So, so we see Abraham is at, at this point where he realizes that, that God's promise won't be fulfilled in his lifetime. Not that God's promise won't be fulfilled, but that what God is saying that he will have so many descendants, he is speaking of through Isaac. Isaac will have children, and his children will have children, and eventually it will be to the point where they are so numerous as the stars. And the very land that Abraham finds himself in, that rightfully belongs to him, that God has told him he will give to him, he is having to ask others to be able to bury his wife in their land. But it belongs to Abraham. This is the dual reality that Abraham is going through in this chapter. He is mourning for his bride. Only those that have lost a spouse can really understand what Abraham is going through. We've seen those... We've seen our brother. The reality is you don't understand what he went through. We, we don't understand what Abraham went through unless we have gone through it. Amen. There's no, no way around that. At the same time, Abraham, when, when he's going into this land and he's, and he's saying, would you give me a place to bury my wife? You know, they, they, they start with a, a sort of mockering, flattering. But you, you are a prince of God in our land. You know, surely, what it, was it between us? You know, they take Abraham to the cleaners. The land is not worth 400 shekels. The grave certainly is not worth 400 shekels. They want, they want to, to, to have this man of God who has all this wealth bow down to them. They want him to give, give over his money, his wealth. But at the same time, Abraham is doing something to shame them. You, you may not see it unless we understand the culture. He is taking them to the center of town with witnesses. And he identifies the man he wants to negotiate with. And, and he says, you know, we agree to this price. I just asked for a place to bury my wife, but you want me to buy this entire field. I will buy this entire field so that no one will ever be able to say the Hittites gave something to Abraham. Abraham legally bought this. And this very tomb to this very day is known as the Tomb of the Patriarchs. It is, it is in, in the, the, the center of, of a, a place that is um, occupied by, by Muslims today. And it is a great testimony to the God of Abraham. Because as much as they despise it, Abraham's bones are there. Sarah's bones are there. Isaac's bones are there. Whose bones aren't there? The one they claim is the promised seed, Ishmael. If we understand what, what is going on here, Abraham is, is buying a piece of the land that belongs to him. He is burying, burying his bride right in the center of his land. It is a reminder that this land belongs to Abraham and his descendants. And a day very soon will come where Christ will return and the land that has been promised will truly be given to those who it's been promised to. And in the center of that, you, you will see not just, not just a grave, but you will see a man named Abraham raised out of the ground. You will see a woman named Sarah raised out of the ground. And all the patriarchs that are there that they've 
stockpiled these bones at the last day, the, the day of the great resurrection, you will see those who the land really belongs to. I want us to think about it in, in our life, in our perspective. We live in a world that God has created. Amen? Amen. God has created. This world belongs to God. Amen. The house I have and the land that I have has been given to me by, by God. At the end of the day, it's, it belongs to God. But you and I, we, we are like Abraham. We are foreigners. You know, we, we are in the world, but we're not of it. And I know there are many days, long days, where we feel like foreigners. The world doesn't like us and doesn't want us. It doesn't like the message we proclaim. The Hittites did not really like Abraham being in their land. Because he they knew he was a man of God and God had blessed him. You may run across people that don't like you being in the land. Or don't like what you have to say. Or don't like how you believe. But understand that this is just temporary. A day is coming where our king will return a day is coming where this land, where, where people want to argue and say there's, you know, in this country there's separation of church and state. To a point we agree with that. And we love our capitalism, we love our democracy, but guess what happens when our king returns? Instant monarchy across the globe. There's no voting for re-elections for Jesus. Jesus is king forever. Amen. There's no one going to be running against him. There's no one going to dare try to debate him. We must realize that, that where we live in this time and age we live in, we are to be like Abraham and show the deeds and show what God has done for us and give testimony and in long-suffering wait for that day. A day may, may come where, where we are like Abraham and having, having to, to bury our spouse, having, having to, to put her into the ground and into a place that really can't contain her. A day will come where we will be resurrected. We will have those glorified bodies. And we'll be set up as Christ appoints us in roles of leadership in his kingdom. And the places that have mocked us and the people that have mocked us will be in awe. Just like the Hittites will one day be in awe of what they did in the way they mocked Abraham. Abraham was a man of God. But understand very much that Sarah was a woman of God. I can think of no woman else in the Bible that, that to me is the picture-perfect epitome of what a pastor's wife should be, or what a deacon's wife should be. You go to the New Testament, you don't hear a lot about Peter and Paul and, and the spouses they had. We know Paul didn't have a spouse. We know Peter did. But we don't hear about them and what it was to be like to, to, to be in that role. But with Sarah, we see unwavering support for Abraham, even when he's being a blockhead. There are times that Abraham just downright screws up. But Sarah is there by, by his side always. And so this is why we understand this part to be so very bittersweet. In Hebrews 11, it's the chapter you know, we, we refer to to look at the, the great champions of faith, heroes of the faith, if you will. And you know who's named there? There's not a whole lot of women named there. But there is one named Sarah. She's considered a, a matriarch of the faith, if you will. Isaiah references her and says, Do you not know you've been cut from the, the stone or foundation Abraham and Sarah gave birth to you? All the descendants of Abraham, they look at Sarah as their mother. They, they are proud to call Sarah their mother. It is a good and a, and a beautiful thing. And I want us to see that 
that she had great faith. She died in the promised land. So many that will come in the chapters to follow, they don't get that luxury. They don't get to, to die in the promised land. You and I look forward to a, a time and a place and, and to be in the presence of Christ. We don't get to die where we're going to be. We get to die in the presence of Christ because He indwells us with His Holy Spirit. That is such a true and great blessing. And there is something sobering here. You know, death brings a certain reflection to our souls. It, it makes all that stuff of life fade away. It, it reveals and removes that veil and it reveals to us what is truly important. There's a time when, when we do funerals and we look and, and we see that the reality is that so much of life that, that we spend so much of our time on is worthless. What matters is his faith in God, the service we did for his kingdom, and the family that he gave us. Coming together, the love that we share, the, the fellowship, the things of God, the things that he has set up, that he has ordained, those are the things we should be seeking out. Amen. Solomon Ecclesiastes says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sarah's death is a painful reminder to Abraham. It's a painful reminder to us that death comes for us all. There's, there's no way of getting around death. The reality is that death does not discriminate. It will come for us all. It doesn't care how happy you are at the time. It doesn't care how mad you are. It doesn't care about your race or ethnicity. Death doesn't, doesn't care about those things. It doesn't care about the bills that you haven't paid. It does, doesn't care about your job or your family. When death comes, death comes. And we know death has been ordained by God. He knows the very days, the very hours. You know, we, we look and we lose loved ones and we get angry. And I understand that anger. To the point, we, we need to be careful not to be angry at God, but to have those times make us reflect. Reflect on, on our faith. Reflect on how we are living our life. I want us to look and, and see that the, the men and women in, that, that we'll encounter in Genesis. Abraham is considered righteous by faith. He believed God's promise that his descendants would inherit the land and that all nations would call him blessed because his descendant would be the Messiah. Later revealed that his descendant would be God himself. Wrap your head around that. That, that, will, that will take a little while to wrap your head around we see by faith Abraham sojourned in land for almost a century, living as to one whom it would belong. He lived in a land that one day would belong to him. It was like you see people build build buildings, and I know over there behind the Goodwill, they, they started building a subdivision, and they got four houses in and stopped because they ran out of money. This is what we kind of see with Abraham. He, he, he is longing for and preparing for the land to become his. Although he doesn't get, get to enjoy the land like he wants to. He has to deal with the people that own the land at the time. That God has not yet given it over to him. And that there may be promises that God has given to you and your family. That he gives to this church. That will take generations. We need to, to understand that, that God is, God is not, being not being slow about his promise. If God, God has told you he's going to save your children, believe him. Just may not be you that, that speaks those words. 
we, we need to understand that, that God is not bound by our timetable. You know, you and I look at our life, you know, we think, you know, maybe we'll have 80, 90 years on this earth. So God, you know, I'm running out of time. Make things happen. God didn't say he would do it on our timetable. He's, God has given us a promise. He gave Abraham a promise that all, through, through his descendants that all nations would call him blessed, that he would inherit this land. And Abraham will inherit this land. He, one of my favorite phrases that, that you see in all of Scripture is that God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. He is the God of Abraham, finish it, come on, Isaac and Jacob. Why does he say he's the God of the living? Because although Abraham has died in the flesh, he is very much alive today. Isaac is very much alive today. Jacob is very much alive today. And Sarah is very much alive today. When you get to go home in glory, imagine the saints that you will meet. You will be able to encounter Abraham. You will be able to encounter Sarah and Isaac and Jacob. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands of other faithful men and women. They are alive. For he is the God of the living. A day will come where Abraham will truly possess the land. Received by faith, Abraham purchased the cave at Machpelah in Hebron. By faith, Abraham buried Sarah in the cave. By faith, Isaac buried Abraham, as we'll get to in a few chapters, with Sarah at Hebron. By faith, Jacob buried his father Isaac at Hebron. By faith, while in Hebron, Jacob charged his sons to bury him in Hebron. This is very important to the people of where they are buried. Not, not because they, they want to be buried with their dad or mom, but because this is the land that God has promised them. It is a reminder from generation to generation. This is the land that God has promised to us. God has made us promises that we read about in the New Testament. He promises us that we have hope, that we will be resurrected, that our hope lies in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is coming again. That's not a wishful dream. Any more than it was a wishful dream for them to inherit the land. And they will have the land and all the promises that God has given to his people. To the Jewish people, the apple of his eye. They will all receive that. Just like you and I will all receive our share in the kingdom. We will all be able to... to be in the presence of Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen? You have that hope. You have that promise. Believe it. By faith, Jacob's sons had him embalmed and took his remains to Hebron for burial. By faith, as the very last lines of Genesis record, then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They involved him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. By faith, Moses, 430 years later at the Exodus, took Joseph's bones up out of Egypt and then for 40 years bore his mummified remains throughout Israel's wanderings. They were not just going to allow him to lay anywhere. He belonged in Hebron. He belonged in, in the, the tomb of the patriarchs. Understand the, the importance this had for the people. By faith, when Joshua conquered the promised land, he buried Joseph's body in fulfillment of the same principle in a plot of land earlier purchased by Joseph's father, Jacob. You see, this goes all of the way with Joshua. It's wonderful as we think that 
of the 12 spies that were sent, where were they sent? They weren't just sent anywhere. There's a specific place the 12 spies were sent. Where were they sent? They were sent to Hebron, where Abraham is buried, where Isaac is buried, where Jacob is buried, where Joseph is buried. Understand what God is showing us here over and over again. The importance of the people to the land. The promise of God. And we see that there was two men there that were faithful. And they said we can take it. God has given this land to us. They were men of faith. Later, by faith, Caleb at 85 years of age took Hebron. Here are his words of faith. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now we give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. We see this man. He is a great man of faith, Caleb. His name literally means faithful. But the reality is, when he was young, he said we could take it. But he did not get to take it when he was young. He was an old man when he took it. But God preserved him and kept his strength. And there's nothing that God can't do for us. Anyone think you're, you're too old to be used by God? That you don't have enough strength left? I guarantee you we, we have a lady in a red sweater right here who can outdance us in a dance marathon any day of the week. She'd be going hours after I would be done. God gives you the strength. If God has told you that he's going to do this, and he's told you to be part of it, to get up and, and do what he's told you to do, do it. Don't wait around. Don't make excuses. There's nothing we can't do. There's nothing you can't do when God is on your side. There was ten men that were shamed of those spies. There was two that were faithful. And they are the two that saw the promised land. They are the ones who walked in Hebron. And they are the ones who... Who took it. They are the ones who were able to do what Abraham longed for. They were able to do what Isaac and Jacob couldn't. They, they, they weren't slaves any longer. They, they were masters of their own land which God had promised Abraham. We ultimately see as we go on with David. He was anointed king over the house of Judah. Where, where was he anointed king at? It's the same answer. Go ahead. Hebron. There you go. There, there, there's a theme going on here with this city, isn't there? Thus we see that the bones of the patriarchs shouted from the cave of Machpelah that God would give Israel the land, which then culminated through the lives of Joshua and David and David's son Solomon. We must keep in mind that though Abraham bought the tomb for Sarah in the heart of the promised land as a declaration of his faith in the promise, he was not looking for an earthly homeland for himself. Hebrews, speaking of the faith of Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking out of that land from which they had gone out, they would have the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And he has prepared for us a city. It will descend out of heaven, for it is not made by man's hands. Abraham longed to, to find that city made by God. 
Hebrews talks about this. By faith he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham wasn't just looking for a piece of dirt. He, he was looking to partake in the promise that God had given him. And one day we'll be able to partake in that. We'll be able to, to enter into that place we call New Jerusalem. How glorious that will be. Have you ever studied the numbers in Revelation of the city of New Jerusalem, how big it would be? I want you to imagine, if you go about 100 miles north of the northern border of the United States into Canada, and then you were to walk to Mexico City, that is one side of New Jerusalem. And it is, it is wide as it is long, and it is that tall as well. It is beautiful to, to imagine and to picture that literally New Jerusalem, there's no wonder there's a need for a new earth, because New Jerusalem is about as large as North America. That is wonderful to think about how many brothers and sisters will be there with us. Imagine the sound of the worship and the singing and the praise to Christ continually. And we will truly be able to go back to Castle every day, Brother Dave. It will be a wonderful time. Our loved ones that, that have gone before us will be there. Amen. Those, those great patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith will be there. You'll see Abraham. You'll see Sarah. And you'll see all those named after. You'll see King David and King Solomon. You'll see those men and women. As Calvin put it, While they themselves were silent in death, the sepulchre cried out, that death formed no obstacle to their entering in possession of it. God has promised us many things. And many of us will, will die before those promises are fulfilled. Some here will die before the Lord returns. My prayer is some will not. But the reality is that Christ is going to return. Whether it be in our lifetime or not. That, that promise is as good as done. And we need to realize that whether, whether we, we go by breathing our last or we go in a nanosecond, we are called home in the twinkling of an eye, we will be with Christ forevermore. Amen. And it's that same hope that Abraham had, that one day he would, he would inherit what God had given him. But that inheritance for Abraham wasn't about the land for him. It was about the promise of the Messiah to be in the very presence of Christ. He saw that day and he was glad. Like any of us, he longed to be with his bride again. And that day would come for him, but God was not yet done with him. Sarah lived a good long life, 137 years. That's a good long life. We praise God for the great testimony we read about her. Also, we understand that Abraham's testimony wasn't done. God had a few other things that he was going to do through Abraham. Sometimes we see loved ones that get called home before us, and that is hard. And I know as we look out, you know, it's a question that, that we have as we get older. What happens if the other one goes before me? That's a hard thing to deal with. But the reality is God's not done with you yet. you got you got things left for him to, to do through you. So let, 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 us, let us ponder these things of Abraham and Sarah. Let us rejoice at the testimony that Sarah has. And understand this, when we look at Sarah, 
we see what was her purpose in life. A lot of people ask that question. What was my purpose in life? Could Sarah's purpose simply be to, to give birth to the promised child of God? Is that such a bad lot in life? How, how many of us look, look down and say, well, what is my purpose? If, if your purpose is to be a mother or a father, rejoice. That is a mighty calling. That is an amazing calling. Do, do not look down on your calling because it may not have a glamorous title like pastor or teacher. Whatever God has called you to, do it with all that you are. Because what we see with Sarah, Isaac is born and she raises him. She gets to experience 37 years with this child she longed for. This child that her and Abraham prayed for. And then she gets to go home and wait for them. She gets to be with her Lord. And so, so we need to realize whether God has called us to something we view as big or something we view as small. The reality is nothing that God calls you to is small to God. Amen. Where would the world be without Isaac? The person we worship, we name Jesus, that we come to and worship every single Sunday, Jesus doesn't come if Isaac's not born. Amen. Isaac is raised as a godly man. He has a son, two sons in fact. So the one we focus on is Jacob. You know, Isaac knew he was trained up in the ways of his faith, and he passes that down on Jacob and Esau. We need to, to look at and ponder the, the, the great testimony that is Sarah. You know, of all the women we could have pulled, that they could have pulled out of the Old Testament and the New, Sarah is one of those that, that is mentioned as, as being in this kind of the hall of fame of faith, if you will, in Hebrews 11. Understand that what you, you are going through in life, you may view as small, you may view that step of faith that you take as small. Sarah laughed at it, and it came to pass. And she embraced it. And she has now gone down in the, the history of time as this great woman of faith because she embraced God's call on her life. Her call was to, to come alongside Abraham, to give, to give birth to Isaac, to raise them. But the reality is we live in a time and a day and age where, where there's a lot of parents that just don't want to raise their kids. They want to be out partying and doing their own thing. And what happens to those kids? Those kids grow up and they're a mess. And they, they have children who become more of a mess. Unless God gets a hold of them. Take your call seriously. Whether that's the call in the church as of a pastor or preacher or teacher. Or that's the call in, in the home of husband and, and wife, father and mother, grandparents, uncle, aunts. Well, we all have been called and we all need to take our call seriously. Because it affects generations down the line we see mighty things that are done and it all starts here with Abraham and Sarah every time they go back they, they go back to Abraham and Sarah how they lived their faith how they went out from a land you know we, we talk about how difficult it must have been for Abraham how difficult was it for Sarah you think it was any easier she had to trust that Abraham would provide for her trust that he, he heard from God let us, let us trust God today. Let us trust Him to provide for everything we need. 
Let us trust him that he will, if he has promised you something that is going to take promises of this church, something that will take generations, let us believe God for that promise. Let us believe he will send those at the right time that he needs for that promise to be fulfilled. Abraham couldn't make that promise be fulfilled on his own. He, can't, he couldn't have had Isaac be born on his own. He tried the sinful way. He tried the ways of man, and it, we're still dealing with the repercussions. But if we bow the knee and trust God's will, great and glorious things will happen. You're never too old. Sarah was 90 when she, she had her, her son. Anyone 90 in here? No? You're not too old. You're, you're not too young either. You're not too young. But we need to realize that, that God is able to do so much more. We put him in such a small box. We look at him like what he's told us to do is this tree. You know what this tree is? It's a representation of a real tree over in Africa that is ginormous. When we, we saw Sister Linda speak about it, how that elephants would go and, and suck the water out of it. We, we need to realize that you know, the, the vision that, that, that we see ahead of us, we think it's small. But God thinks it's grand. It's beyond our comprehension. It's like heaven is beyond our comprehension. Just like New Jerusalem is beyond our comprehension. Just like the return of Christ is beyond most people's comprehension. Let us believe God for his promises. Let's, let us be obedient. Abraham had to be obedient. He had to suffer things he didn't want to suffer through. He surely didn't want to bury his wife. He surely didn't want to have to pay somebody else to, to buy their place to be able to bury his wife in a land that should have belonged to him, that does belong to him. Let us understand that just because we have yet to possess it does not mean we, we won't possess it. It just means it is not yet time to possess it. Let us pray. Abba Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the many blessings you give us, Lord God. That you would speak to us now. You would speak to those, to us those things that you have for us to do for you. Those promises that, that you're going to do, Lord, that, that we will see done, whether in our life or in our, our life to come. Be with us now, Lord God. In your holy name.